Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You are listening to part four of Untangling Emotions. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I want to read our opening passage of scripture today. Romans chapter eight, verse one. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, come on, someone. I need someone to wake up today. There's no condemnation. Thank you for that. Even when you're off center, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do, Because it was weakened by the flesh. What that means is what we could not do because of our sinfulness, because of our brokenness, because of our shame. What we could not do, God did. Come on, someone shout, God did. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. I want to call our message today, I can't, but God did. Come on, somebody. I can't, but God did. Can we clap our hands? You guys can take a seat this morning in this place. So glad that you could be here as everyone finds this seat. Hey, as you find your seat, do you mind just turning to the person next to you and just saying, hey, welcome to church today. So glad you could be here. Come on, so glad you guys could be here. My name is Harrison, and uh, I'm the pastor, and I am just so honored that you guys took the time to be here today. We are in the fourth part of our series called Untangling Emotions. Uh, Just want to know, has it been helpful for anyone so far? Helpful for a few people. What we've been trying to do in this series is we've been trying to untangle all of the emotions that we have. How many guys know that we are complex people? Right, like I'm a, I'm a complex, intricate person. And so our, our, our vision for this year, if you guys uh, were with us about a month or so ago, uh, is to go deeper. We believe that God is calling us as a church to go deeper. Last year was kind of like foundational. We're building some things up. This year, God is calling us to go deeper as a church. And I just believe that one of the ways that we grow deeper is by understanding and untangling our emotions, which is why we've been in this series. And so um, I've shared kind of our theme, our thesis every week in this series. I'm going to share it again. It's from uh, Pete Cicero, and uh, he's the author and pastor of a bunch of books called Emotionally Healthy, fill in the blank. And he says pretty simply, you can't be spiritually healthy while remaining emotionally immature. You can't be spiritually healthy while remaining emotionally immature. So in other words, you may think, man, I love Jesus. I'm so mature. I have it all together. But if you shut off and do not understand or engage your emotions, you're not as mature as you think you are. You ain't all that. And so uh, this series, I've shared it every week, but I just feel like it bears repeating. Um, If you come to this series, if you come to these messages and you're viewing them as a window, Like, these messages give me a window to to peer through and understand my friends and understand my spouse 
and understand my family. If you've been viewing this series as, as a window, I'm sure that's been helpful in some way, but my heart and my hope is not that we view this as a window, but as a mirror. And so what I want us to do during these messages is not look through to other things, other people, but I want us to look inwards and begin to ask ourselves simply, God, what do you have for me? And so uh, this is the fourth week of the series. So if you've missed any part of this series, we want to encourage you, go online, check them out, uh, because they are all there on YouTube and our podcast. And I believe we're live right now, unless, of course, our Wi-Fi goes down, which... It was earlier, but we're praying that it does not. Uh, But it'll be online regardless. So what I want to do over the next two weeks, um, I'm preaching for two more weeks, and then we've got a special guest preacher in three weeks. Uh, Should I tell you who it is? The person might feel nervous, but uh, Amy is going to be preaching November 6th. And so uh, I got got two more weeks of of, of sharing, and she's going to share some stuff in this same line of uh, emotional and emotional health. So for the next two weeks, what I want to do, and I'm not making any promises. Like, you may see me, and I look like a very organized, put-together guy. Like, he's got black on black. He's pretty organized. Um, But I kind of fly by the seat of my pants sometimes. So I'm not making a promise, but I think... For the next two weeks, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to study uh, a story found in the book of Genesis, the very first um, kind of story in the Bible uh, in regards to Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3. Um, I know for certain we're in it today. I think we're going to be in it next week, and we're going to look at Adam and specifically his fall and the fall of our first parents, the fall of our first father. And I kind of want to call the message Daddy Issues, but <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Anyways, today we're still looking at Genesis chapter 3, and I want to look at this story because what we're going to do today is we are going to untangle and engage the emotions of guilt and shame. I want us to look at guilt and shame today, and I want to do it through the very first uh, kind of story that we see in the Bible, or at least a part of the first story, uh, traditionally what we call the fall. And um, I was just thinking, because I've preached a little bit over the last number of years, and as far as like stories in the Bible, this is probably one of the stories in the Bible I have preached from the most. Um, I just always kind of come back to it, because I think it's so rich, and I just believe it speaks to the heart of who we are as people. And a story that is 6,000 years old is still relevant today. And so, uh, what we're going to do again is we're going to kind of look at the emotions of guilt and shame through this story. If you guys are ready to go, you guys ready? Okay, so context of Genesis 3, where we pick it up. God says to Adam and to Eve, but actually mostly to Adam, he says pretty specifically, hey, there's a tree in the garden, don't eat the fruit from it. Everyone following? Pretty simple tree, don't eat. Um, a snake comes along, a serpent, the deceiver, Satan. And he says to Eve, he says, hey, I know what God said, but why don't you taste this fruit? That's where we pick it up. Genesis 3, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So, Pretty simple. God says, don't eat it. What do they do? They eat it. And this is where our good friends, guilt and shame, show up for the very first time. It says, verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and made a covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So I want to dissect these verses because what we're going to see is that both guilt and shame show up here. So again, pretty simple. We all follow the story. God says, don't do something. They did it. And so in verse 7, it says, when they did it, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized. That's Genesis 3, 7. The eyes of them were opened and they realized. So right here, for the very first time, we see what is traditionally known as guilt. They began to see and realize that they had done something wrong. So our definition today, pretty simple for what guilt is. Guilt, pretty simply, communicates, I've done something wrong. All of us, I'm sure, at some point have felt the emotion of guilt, right? I have done something wrong. Now, what happens right after guilt is that shame follows. It says, because of what they did, they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves, made a covering, and when they heard God, they hid. So what happens is, because of the guilt they feel, they begin to then feel something about themselves, In this story, it's described as nakedness. They feel guilt, now they feel naked, and so they hide. And what they are feeling is what we traditionally call shame. And what shame communicates, quite simply, something is wrong with me. So, guilt and shame are very similar, but there's a difference. Guilt says, I've done something wrong. Shame says, something is wrong with me. So, What I want to do today is I want to break down guilt and shame. That's why we need to understand what we're talking about. And one of the things that we've done in this series with every emotion that we have engaged and untangled is we have essentially said that our emotions are given to us by God. And so therefore, in a blanket statement, emotions are not bad. However, what we've seen each and every week is that emotions can be bad. Emotions are good and can be life-giving, but emotions can also be bad and life-taking. It really just depends on how we deal and how we engage with them. Now, what I want to do today is I actually want to spend probably the majority of our sermon, but the majority of our morning, talking about the upside and the positives of guilt and shame. Now, the reason I want to do this is because I think when we think about the emotions of guilt and shame, generally speaking... We view them as bad things. We should never feel guilty. We should never feel ashamed. But what I want us to understand is that I think, again, these these are blanket statements, but for the most part, God's intention for the emotions of guilt and shame that we feel are always something good attached to it. Now, again, like every single emotion, it can go too far, and then guilt and shame can become crippling. But what I want to do today is I want us to understand God's heart behind it, because I think if we can understand the emotion of guilt and shame, it'll better help us to overcome it when we feel like it's overcoming us. Does that make sense? And so what I want to do is I kind of want to teach for a bit. Can I, can I just do a little bit of a teaching? And so I need everyone to follow along. But the question I want us to ask, especially in like a church circle, because I think it's probably where a lot of this is, is bred, but it's similar elsewhere. But um, specifically in church, I think a lot of times when it comes to guilt and very specifically shame, we always view shame as something that is bad, something that is wrong. 
Like, we should never feel shame. God doesn't want us to feel shame. You guys have heard that before? Like, God doesn't want us to feel shame. And I think, like, when we look at the Genesis story in the fall, if we're to kind of frame it, a lot of times we would say something kind of like, shame is a result of sin. You guys have heard this before? Shame is a result of sin. And when you read the story, that's not, not true. In other words, that's true. <laughs> like, shame is a result of sin. Like, there was shame connected with the first sin. Now, although that statement isn't not true, I don't believe it's the most accurate way to describe what happens in this story in Genesis chapter 3. Because I think when we say something like shame is a result of sin, immediately that frames it within our mind that shame is always bad. Because one other thing that we say, we say death is a result of sin, which is true. And death kind of sucks. And so a lot of times when we view shame through the, the lens that says it's a result of sin, we can only view it in a bad light. So I want to say a different statement that I think is both as true as the first one, but more accurate, that can help us understand where shame comes from or where shame came from. I would frame it more like this. Shame came because they sinned. You're like, Harrison, what's the difference? Like it's the, shame came because they sinned. What I mean by that is that shame did not come from some integral third-party force in the nature where it all of a sudden descended down and now shame exists. Shame didn't come from the devil. Shame actually came because they listened to the devil. Is everyone following? And so what that means and why I'm saying it like this, when we understand the story that we read in Genesis chapter 3, we could frame it all together and say, say this pretty simply. The reason that shame came was because they sinned. The reason they felt guilt and shame was because they didn't obey God. And so put it all together, I would say it like this. Shame and guilt are actually the proper response to falling short of God's standard. Shame and guilt are the proper response to falling short of God's standard. Now again, like every emotion, it can swing too far and be harmful. But I want us to understand at the core, in its purest form, shame and guilt communicate that I have not done something right. I have fallen short. Now, I really want to explain this because some people are kind of like, I don't know if I like that, Pastor. I originally wanted to call this sermon, uh, No More Shame because I guess it's a good title. Um, and I also believe a true title. I believe that the heart of God is not that we live in shame, nor be overcome by shame. But when I really dug into it, a lot of times when it comes to shame, what God wants to do in our lives is not, again, remove some mystical force known as shame. God wants to remove the things in our lives that cause us shame and the behaviors that lead us to shame. Because if I treat shame as a mystical force that I must get rid of, I'm never really addressing the problem. And so at its very root, when we look at this story, again, shame and guilt were the proper response to falling short of God's standard. And one of the things, I'm going to show this and break this down biblically, but also from our lives as well, is that when you read the Bible, time and time again, the overwhelming message is not even this message of like, we need to, know not, we need to stop living in shame, which is true. But the more predominant message that we read in Scripture 
is a message that says, and God's complaint against people is not that they are living in sin, but the main complaint you will see in Scripture is that too oftentimes people are living without shame. You're not going to like this part, but it's true. The complaint against God, that God has against us as people more oftentimes in Scripture is not that we are stuck in shame, it's that we're living with no shame. So what I want to do is I want to show you this biblically. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. How many of you guys were here when we talked about anger? A few people. I'm going to read the exact same verse. Ephesians chapter 4, this might ring a bell. It says, with the Lord's authority I say, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Look at this part, verse 19. They have no sense of... Yeah, they weren't loud enough. They have no sense of... They live for their lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, this is a different translation than I read last time. This is the NLT. I read NIV last time. But Paul essentially is saying, if you guys remember, he's saying, hey, when you come to Jesus, you don't live like you used to. He said, the old way in which you used to live, he says, you were reckless, you were careless, you followed every inclination, and he says, quite simply, you lived with no shame. You lived with no shame. And so the reason when I'm framing this message, I, I didn't want to call it no more shame, is because the complaint, and I want us to understand Ephesians, Paul is speaking to Christians. His complaint against them is not that they are overwhelmed with shame, but it's they're living with no shame. You see, shame and that feeling that something is wrong with me is actually the natural response to coming in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the natural and it is the biblical response. And so the complaint you see in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, read the prophets, God is speaking against a people and a nation that have no shame, that are shameless. In other words, what Paul says in Ephesians, the translation, he says that what in the NLT says no shame. In the NIV, it says they are without feeling. They're calloused. They're hardened. And so what happens, I want us to understand, because with every emotion, God gives us emotions in order to take us places in order to lead us to health, in order to lead us to life. And so, accurately, does God want us to live overwhelmed and overcome by shame? No. But does God want us to live without shame at all? The answer is also no. Because shame oftentimes is a marker and a signpost, as is guilt, that God is trying to draw us back to him. So let me tell you guys a story. Can we go back all the way to 2011? Way back in 2011. Okay. So where we are, New Year's Eve 2011, uh, a young Harrison is uh, home from college for the very first time. And uh, first time since I left for college. And it was New Year's Eve. And I came home. And when I came home, I hung out with my old friends. Uh, traditionally, we called ourselves the homies or the boys. I was hanging with the boys. And uh, it was New Year's Eve 2011, and we decided um, to ring in the new year like good Gentiles. Come on, somebody. <laughs> there was alcohol involved, people. That's where I'm going. <laughs> Don't come on too hard. Um, 
And so what happened is uh, we partied that night a little too hard, and things got a little crazy. I woke up the next morning. My friends had tied me to a chair like good friends do. Um, <laughs> anyways, I went, uh, untied myself, thanked them for that, and then uh, went home. And it was really weird when I went home. Um, I began to feel something that I'd never felt before. And I began to feel two emotions. And when I say never before, like before this time, I didn't always act good. I did things that were not good at times, but I never really felt bad for it. Um, but this particular time, I went home, and I just felt this overwhelming sense of two things, guilt and shame. I felt guilt, like I had done something wrong, and shame, like something was wrong with me. But in those moments, I heard the voice of God for the very first time, and it was pretty simple. He just said, Harrison, I have something better for you. I'm like, what could be better than being tied to a chair? (laughs) He's like, Harrison, I have something better for you. And it was this really weird thing. It wasn't just one day. It was like three, four, five days in a row. I felt two emotions. I felt guilt and I felt shame. But I heard a constant and continual voice. Harrison, I have something better for you. And the last thing he said to me, this is before I went back to school, he said, Harrison, when you go back to school, bring your Bible. And I brought my Bible, and the rest, as they say, is history. Now, the reason I tell that story is because I didn't realize it at the time, but literally the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, Ephesians chapter 4. He was saying, Harrison, I don't want you to live this way anymore. I don't want you to live like that anymore. I have something better. I have something different. Now, the reason I want to tell that story is because, and I didn't know it at the time, but God was working some things in my life even before this. This was kind of the defining moment. But I had times in my life where I was doing things, stupid things, and I never felt this emotion before. And so a lot of times when we view guilt and shame, we view it in a way that says, I never want to have guilt. I never want to have shame. I want you to hear me, church. The absolute worst times in my life were the times when I felt no guilt and no shame because my heart was calloused, it was hardened. But as I began to draw closer to Jesus until finally the Holy Spirit struck me and spoke into my life, it was only when I began to to, to feel guilt and shame that I began to realize that God had something better. Is everyone following? And so what was happening in my life was that the scab was being healed. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking to yourself, because you're acting a certain way, like, when will this guilt, when will this shame just go away? The truth is, you don't want it to go away. Because that guilt and the shame, especially if you're living contrary to the way that God wants you to live, is actually a life sign. And God wants to speak into it and say, I have something better. And so here's the thing for all of us that are striving to be more like Jesus. Oftentimes, the closer I get to Jesus, the worse I feel about myself. You're like, I thought it's like I come to Jesus and I feel like amazing. (laughs) No, because God is perfect. Jesus is sinless. He's full of grace, full of mercy, compassion, loving, kind. And when I come into his presence, me... In these boots? I'm not always all those things. 
And so the truth is, there's only actually one proper response to coming into that which is holy when I'm not holy, and that is actually some level of shame. Because what does shame say? Shame says something is wrong with me. And so the truth is, in comparison to the goodness of Jesus, there is actually something that is wrong with me. I'm, I'm not who he is. I'm going I'm to give us some more Bible. Can I give us some more? I'm going to throw it all the way. I'm doing throwback Thursdays here. That was like two weeks ago. Here's Vision Sunday, if you guys remember this. This is Luke chapter 5. Talks about going deeper, but we didn't look at this part. Very first time that, Peter come, that, 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 that the Lord comes into his life, God does this amazing miracle. Comes to Peter. Peter sees him. It says, when, Peter, when Simon Peter saw him, saw this, saw the miraculous of Jesus, he fell at his knees. What did he say? He says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. What happens in Genesis when Adam and Eve sin, when God comes back, they hide. What does Peter say? He says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I want us to understand this. I'm going to reframe guilt. I'm going to reframe shame. And I'm going to show us how the devil uses it in a second. But if anything, at its core, what it is trying to communicate is that I am not God. I fall short of his standard. And there are times in our lives where it is very, very clear that we have fallen short of his standard. And so many times, the proper response to the light that is Jesus is actually to feel a little tinge of guilt and to feel a little shame. But I want you to understand something. Jesus does not use it to keep us there, but to call us somewhere. Now, there's a reason, because we're talking about going deeper this year. There's a reason that we had this Vision Sunday seven weeks ago. And one of the things we said is we're going to pray more. We're going to get into the word more. And there's a reason that you've been struggling to get into your Bible. And there's, there's a reason that, like, actually the, there's, there's a force that keeps you out of it. Because I believe there is something intrinsic inside of you that knows, like, when I open that Bible, like, it's going to reveal something about me. And so I would rather stay out of the word than let the, the word get into me. Because I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to feel shame. And the truth is, the Lord doesn't want to keep you there either. But sometimes he needs to bring you there for a moment to show you, I have something better. I have something more. I believe that voice that spoke to me 12 years ago is speaking to someone today. Son, daughter, I have something better. But here's the truth. Until we lean into better, that emotion of guilt, that emotion of shame, guilt sometimes is actually a guardrail to say you don't want to go any further than that. Shame, letting you know I have something better. You are not created to live this way. But what can happen, because we actually were not created to live in shame. We weren't created to live in guilt. And so we have two responses. We repent and go to Jesus, or we harden our hearts and we callous. And it becomes like, you guys ever have a scar? Where it's like, I can't feel it. Like I got a thing on my shoulder, I had shoulder surgery. Sometimes like, Chris, just like, touch right here. I can't feel it, can't feel it. So here's the response. Because you were not, understand, we were not created to live in guilt. We were not created to live in shame. So you have two options. You repent and turn to Jesus, or you harden your heart and you begin to callous. And what's really funny is, like, as a pastor, 
You need to understand, I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus, not even close. But for a lot of people, um, like I represent him, right? And so I get to see this play out like real time sometimes. Um, and like just even my, like my, my text messages sometimes are like a revealer into people's hearts. Because like I'll text people and like I know some of you guys out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and like the moment I text people, um, they just ghost me. <laughs> they don't respond. And it's not because they don't like me. It's not because they hate me. It's not because they're busy or whatever excuse they come up with. Um, but a lot of times, like, even my presence, just my name, if they have respect, Pastor Harrison, if not, just Harrison in their phones. Um, <laughs> but even just that text coming up is that little thing, right, where they begin to feel that guilt and that shame. Because it's like, oh, my gosh, pastor's texting me. I'm not living how I'm supposed to live. And so to be honest, I'm okay with the ghost sometimes. I'm all right. Because I'm like, all right, like, Holy Spirit's doing something. I'll tell you the far worse state is the people that I intentionally, like, I know are acting a fool. <laughs> and, like, they got no problem coming into this space. They got no problem coming and hanging out with me and acting like everything's okay. And that's a far, far worse state because that's the state I lived in for a long time where I came to church and nothing changed, where nothing penetrated, where like I could hear whatever the message, whatever was going on, nothing would change. And what I needed in that life was not like, I need less shame. No, I need a little more shame. I need a little more guilt because I was closing myself off to what the Spirit was saying to me. Are you guys following where I'm going today? Because I, I want to reframe these emotions that God gives us because every emotion at its core, it can actually be good. We want to know what's funny is, and, and why I said like, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, but like oftentimes that like church is the safest place for the hardest of hearts. Because it gives me like a medium where I can kind of fit in and blend in and not actually change. Because I can sit in the back row, I can sit in the middle row or the front row, especially the front row. Because if, if I'm up there, everyone sees me. And I'm just kidding, I love the front row. Um, but whatever row you're in, I can sit here and I can listen, I can absorb, I can even raise my hands, whatever it may be, but like, I don't actually have to change. And I, I can remain hardened. And, and what's interesting sometimes is that oftentimes it's the, it's the church people that get the hardest. Many times people that don't even know Jesus, they actually feel more guilt and shame than we do. You guys ever met the Christian or, or the non-Christian you invite to church? And they're like, Harrison, like, I do not want to come to church. Like, what would happen if I came in there? <laughs> like, I think I would burn up. Number one, you're not going to burn up. But your response is actually correct. And you actually have a better response than sometimes church people do. Where, like, something inside of me should be shaken and stirred when I come into the presence of Jesus. Look what Romans chapter 2 says. It says, even the Gentiles, the, the non-church people, who do not have God's written law, show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it without even having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. Look at this. Built into the very fabric of who we are as people is that voice, is that thing of guilt to say, hey, you're not living how you're supposed to live or you are living how you're supposed to live. 
And so that's why even sometimes people that have never stepped into church, they have an understanding or an idea. Like, I may not believe in God, but if there is a God, whoo, I don't measure up. Church people, we forget that sometimes. And that's why, like, when we come here and sing, we don't actually say we're singing. We say that we're here to worship. Because what worship is, is it's understanding who I am in regards to God. Right? Like, there's really only one response to being in the presence of God. It's the same as Peter. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm a sinful man. But thank you for your grace, Jesus. And that's why I'm here. That's why I worship. That's why I raise my heart. That's why I raise my voice. And so what I want us to understand is in the purest form, in the purest form, guilt and shame are actually communicating truths many times that are supposed to lead you back to Jesus. That are supposed to lead you back to Jesus. But I want us to understand, because I told you, God doesn't want to keep us in those places. He doesn't want us running in that shame circle over and over again. And so he does something. Adam and Eve, in the story of Genesis, as they hide, as they are cowering away, naked, afraid, shameful, Genesis 3.9, the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? Where are you? You see, a lot of times, especially that unhealthy shame, it causes us to go inwards, to cower, to run away. But that's not God's intention. God's intention is not that shame makes us look inward but outward. And he says to Adam and he says to Eve, where are you? Where are you? And so I want us to understand how God works. God works one way every single time. It is always through conviction. And what conviction is, conviction is simply this. It is God calling us higher. It's God calling us higher. He says, Adam and Eve, where are you? In my my story, he says, Harrison, I have something better for you. I have something better for you. Listen, today, like, my struggles are are, are different, but I still have struggles. And the voice of the Lord is the same every single time, whether I'm impatient, whether I'm stupid, whether I'm mean. It's Harrison, I have something better for you. I want you to understand there is no point in my life where I should stop feeling shame. If I don't treat my wife well, I should feel shame. If I don't treat people well, I should feel shame. But God's call is never to condemn. I'll get to that in a second, but it's always to convict. And he just says, I have something better. That's not how you're going to live. Let's, let's go higher. And so I want to speak to someone that's been running away, that feels calloused, that has bought the lie, that says, I need to get rid of all shame in my life. No, you need to start listening to some of the shame in your life. And the guilt, because what if God's trying to speak something to you? But here's the thing. Our emotions can be healthy and unhealthy. And so I know, and I want to speak on this, I know there are people that have experienced unhealthy levels of guilt and shame. Why? Pretty simple. What God creates, Satan counterfeits. Listen to this. What God creates, the devil counterfeits. So every good thing, every good emotion comes actually from God, but the devil wants to twist it. He wants to mess it up. And so God uses shame and guilt as a tool to convict us and call us higher. The devil can use the exact and will use the exact same emotions to condemn us and call us inward. 
So if you want to understand the voices and the things that we feel in our head, it's pretty simple. Conviction comes from God. Is the fancy graphic on the screen in a second? Calls us higher. Condemnation from the devil calls us inward. God calls us outward and higher. Condemnation calls us inward. So you want to understand, how do I know if my shame and my guilt are healthy or unhealthy? Is it calling you higher or is it calling you inward? Because shame that calls us inward says things like, you will never get better. It, t- it tells you lies like this. Because again, the truth is that shame and guilt are communicating that we've fallen short of God's standard. And that's okay. But shame from the devil says, you didn't fall short of God's standard. This is just who you are. This is just who you are. Don't try to change. Don't try to suppress. Don't try to fight. This is who you are. You'll never get better. You'll always be a slave to anger. You're always going to be a slave to your fear. It's inward. It's inward. And the solutions, because sometimes, man, the devil's crafty enough to give you some solutions. It says stupid things like, you just need to have strength from within. Just, just believe in yourself a little bit more. But what God wants to do is God wants us to look outwards. Because outside of me, there is something I don't have which is a name that I can call on, which is a higher hope, which is something that is more long-lasting than just, just digging deeper and trying to be better, trying to do better. Because if you counteract your shame simply by saying, well, I'm not going to do that behavior anymore. I'm just going to stop doing that. All you're doing is looking inwards. When guilt and shame are supposed to make you look outwards and realize your need for a savior. In Genesis 3, look what happens. The Lord God called to him and says, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid and I was naked, so I hid. It's a real confession. He says, God, I was feeling guilty. I was feeling ashamed. Now listen, some of us in this place, you are hiding because of real shame and real failures. Because you've fallen short. You've lived in a way that God never intended. And the devil and the enemy wants to keep you there. He wants to keep you believing the lies over and over again. This is just who you are. Don't go back there. Don't apologize. Don't say you're sorry. Don't be weak like that. But God says, no, no, no. It's actually in your weakness that my strength is found. And it's funny, you read the story, Adam and Eve, they go and they make fig leaves. They get some fig leaves to cover themselves. Like, this will help my nakedness. Listen, y'all, I know some of you guys have some fig leaves. Some of your fig leaves is money. It's like, well, the more I make, no one can ever question me because my life looks good. Some of your fig leaves is just like that false like bravado super confident, like I got it all going on. But at the end of the day, all that inward stuff, all, all those masks, they're going to fall away. And Adam and Eve, they make these fig leaves. I was naked and I was afraid. But look what it says. Genesis 3.21, it says, the Lord God 
made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. You know what God said to them? He said, hey, the way that you're trying to cover it, that's not going to last long. Trying to be better, trying to do, that's not, that's not the solution. He says, here, let, let me cover you. Come on, somebody, let me give you what you need. Let's stop looking inwards. Let's begin to look outwards because I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, so I will look to the hills. Come on, somebody. And, and I, I love this story, and I love it so much. Can we have some keys to, to, to kind of close as we're going on? I love this story in Genesis because it is an absolute picture of the cross of Jesus. Because I want you to understand something. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, Harrison, my guilt and my shame come from my very real failures. They've come from the fact that I've fallen short. I have let people down. I have broken relationships. I've broken friendships. I've let myself down. I've let God down. What can I do in my power? What can I do to make this better? You want to know what the answer is? Nothing. There's nothing that you can do. And that's okay. Because it says that God clothed them. It says God made them skin. And, and turned it into clothes. And so on the cross, this is a very straight picture of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible lets us know that what God did to combat our nakedness, what God did to combat our shame, is he went onto a cross naked and ashamed so we don't have to live naked and ashamed. He did, come on somebody, what you and I could not do ourselves. And that is why he does not condemn us. Instead, he calls us. And he calls us to look upwards. And he calls us to look to the cross because at the cross, it is the perfect intersection between God's love and God's holiness. Listen, God loves you enough that he gave himself for you, but God is also holy that there is a price to pay for our sinfulness. There is a price to pay for our brokenness. And so on the cross, Jesus did what we couldn't. He took our shame. And so that's why we called the message. I can't, but God did. You need to understand something. I didn't call this sermon, I can't, but God can. Because that in indicates that God has to do something. God's already done the hard work. I can't, but God did. On the cross, he who knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness of Christ. And so that's why he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. All I have to do is come under the banner of Jesus and everything changes. I want you to understand something. That guilt that God has put in your life, it is simply a guardrail, but it's not an identity. It is not who you need to be. It is not anything other than a temporary thing to point you towards Jesus. And so what I want to encourage us today, for those of us that have been living in shame, it is through Jesus Christ that we have been set free. What you've been trying to do on your own power, trying to be better, trying to work hard enough, Christ has done it. God did it. Come on, somebody. God did it. God did it. And so all that guilt, all that shame, it's just, it's, God says, look upwards. Look upwards. I got something better. I got something different. Can we stand for a second, church?
I want to speak to someone today. Because there's someone, and maybe the message you've heard your entire life is just try a little bit harder. Do a little bit better. But today, I just believe that God's calling us to surrender. And so if you're here today, and you're saying, Harrison, I'm just, I'm done hiding. I'm tired of living in my shame when God's trying to call me out of my shame. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, you say, Harrison, I just, I want to follow Jesus. Can you just show me your hand right now in this place? Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray for us. Jesus, I just pray that for those of us that have been living inside of our shame, that have never understood that perhaps there's just something you have for us that's better, I pray today, God, that everything changes. God, I pray that none shall live overcome and dominated by guilt, dominated by shame. But Jesus, that it is just a path back to you, back to the one who has taken our sin, taken our shame, who has clothed us from the very beginning. I want to encourage us today, and then I'm going to get out of here. If, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to make a very specific appeal with every head bowed, every eye closed. So you're saying, Harrison, I want to give my life to Jesus. This isn't my parents this time. This is just me. Maybe you've been wandering, you've been following. Like, I've, I've just, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to him. If that's you today, can you just raise your hand? I want to pray a very special prayer over you. Jesus, I just pray for the hearts in this place, online, wherever they are, God, that are just turning to you. Jesus, may they be found in you. And God, I just thank you that today someone has moved from death to life, from shame to your glory, from broken, naked to clothed, from slave to son. We love you, Jesus. I got one last thing. Just following the Lord here. If you've never made the decision before to get baptized, Baptism is the outward display of the inner decision you made to follow Jesus. In this place, we haven't yet bought a baptismal tank. But I want to buy one like this week. So if you want to make that decision to say, I want to get baptized, listen, go to the info center, fill the connect card, and write, I want to get baptized. Because we want to celebrate publicly the decision that you're saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. All right, that's it. Now I'm done. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, for your grace. We love you, God. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.